the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're married, give a good and warm, safe greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good, warm morning hug or welcome with a special social distancing safety, of course, to your children and to all those who you live with. Do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good holy Sunday morning with God. In the beginning, Bereshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, in Hebrew we say, God created. And today on Divine Mercy Sunday, it is uh, my great pleasure and honor to join you again in prayer on this good Sunday morning with Father Andre with uh, a very special guest that we uh, conversed with last week on uh, Easter Sunday. We have again with us today our special guest, Dr. Christian Alton von Gizo. He's a human rights expert and uh, he's a president and rector of ITI Catholic University in Trumeau, Austria. And he's a president of the International Catholic Legislators Network, who will be our guest. I just want to hear his voice on Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre today and on this Divine Mercy Sunday, um, sending a greeting. And then we pray together and we start. Good Holy Sunday Morning to you, Dr. Christian von Gizo. And again, Christ is risen. Christ is truly risen. How are you doing? I'm fine. Christ is risen indeed, Father. And uh, today I love to pray some prayers with you, Doctor, you know, in apostolic and in, in Catholic tradition uh, for the devotion of the Divine Mercy. Um, we pray, um, the ador- we do adoration today, I believe, and i like us to pray a little bit the Divine Praises. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Blessed be the great mother of God, Mary, most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be her triumphant and immaculate heart. Blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. And today as well, my brothers and sisters, on this new Sunday or Divine Mercy Sunday, we pray the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he expired on the cross for us in order to give us life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. 
You expired, O Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and an ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon all of us. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. Amen. Amen. For those who just have joined us, this is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre, and today on Divine Mercy Sunday, April 11, we are conversing with our special guest, uh, um, Dr. Christian Altin von Gizo, a human rights expert and the president and rector of ITI Catholic University in Trimo, Austria, and president of the International Catholic Legislators and Network, and now, if I may call, a very good mentor and friend. Uh, Dr. Christian, last week we have spoken about um, militant secularism. We have spoken about the state atheism being the greatest threats against the freedom of conscience and religion. And um, we have spoken about that in the context of defining the defining battle of the 21st century, which is a freedom of conscience and religion around the world. Uh, today, I like to pick up our conversation with you and continue. Um, in one of your presentation in 2018, you predicted, Dr. Fongizu, you predicted, you predicted even a state control over churches, over religions. And, and somehow we have seen that with the COVID-19 about a year and a half ago, right? How immediately all the religious leaders basically obeyed, if I may utilize the word, which I do not know if it's proper, um, the government orders, and they shut down the places of worship. So in the first mm-hmm. experiment about religious freedom and freedom of conscience, um, I could definitely see um, that uh, there was something that happened not in line, not in line, if I may say, of what people thought that mm-hmm. uh, religious freedom or freedom of conscience would have would have complied or applied to them to do. And that is, why were the places of worship shut down? Well, it's a, it, it's, other, it's a logical consequence, unfortunately, of the way in which militant secularism has advanced mostly in Western societies. And because that has eroded a fundamental understanding in society that the religion and the exercise of religion is something essential to society, that a society needs vibrant religions that are part of that what happens in society, that are part of the debate, that are part of the public square. And because we have pushed that away and have rejected that notion, we have come to a point that now that we uh, are facing this pandemic, uh, both church leaders and what I find even more um, shocking, I would say, political leaders who identify themselves as Christians were no longer able to make the case for the fact that religious practice is an essential thing, uh, or as it was called in the jargon, or as it has been called in the jargon, an essential service. 
uh, people were just not able to make that argument anymore because religion has already been so much relegated to the merely private sphere. And this has then led to such very uh, strange situations that you have a governor of the state of New York who publicly professes to be a Roman Catholic actually imposing one of the strictest uh, rules on limiting church attendance during the COVID-19 pandemic in New York City that then ultimately needs to be overturned by a secular court, namely the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, If I may may interrupt you to just ask you a a more clear question, because your opinion really matters in this regard. We have seen how society dealt with the vaccine, basically. And it seems like Mm -hmm. the fundamental question is this. How did the society, including the religious leaders, dealt with the vaccine? Do you think like Mm -hmm. uh, any governor could have been able to pull the trigger and make these decisions if the church leaders, the synagogue leaders, the Muslim leaders, any religious leaders in the world did not accept them and they themselves carried those messages and they enforced them upon the congregation. What happened? What did we miss? Because the message that went out, I remember a year and a half ago, we have to advance the love of the neighbor on the love of God. Mm -hmm. What what is happening with this? Well, you make an excellent point there because, of course, there is a serious problem. There is a serious problem, and you're, you're absolutely right there. The fact that religious leaders of all religions basically have gone along with it, have indeed allowed this to happen. But the interesting thing is, is that we are now a year later, and most of those same religious leaders, although by numbers the pandemic is much worse now, are now no longer in most cases accepting that and going along, which is leading to interesting cases. Meaning to say, in answer to your question, yes, those religious leaders were at that time wrong. They saw that themselves, they see that themselves now, and are now acting in most cases uh, very differently from then. I think what happened to most of our religious leaders, uh, as has happened to most of our political leaders and most people in society, is that what, when this pandemic came over us a year ago, uh, most people were grabbed uh, were, were were taken not so much by a pandemic of corona, but by a pandemic of fear. I, and see. I think it was fear that that really led religious leaders to go along with it. And now we have a new, a new argument, right? There is a new situation. It's no longer about the COVID-19. Now there is the uh, narrative about the vaccine, basically. And the vaccine mm-hmm. has created a major, major stress on the conscience of the family, of the individuals, young and old. We mm-hmm. do not know what to do, to take or not to receive mm-hmm. the vaccine. Um, you know, and, and I do believe that once in our conversation, you and me, um, you said in this fundamental question, which means how the society deal with the vaccine, we have to allow people to lead a public debate and express themselves. Do you really believe in this? Knowing that, that there is some type of a regime according to which if you're not fitting the narrative of the strong, you will be crushed. Do you really believe that people are able to carry their thoughts in public and have public debates? Well, unfortunately, currently, uh, as, as we also saw a year ago in 
the start of the the pandemic crisis, unfortunately, real debate on, so to say, the pros and cons uh, has not been possible because those who have expressed an opinion that doesn't correspond what the so-called mainstream opinion is are very often immediately put away as uh, uh, anti-vaccination or or or, uh, or anti-corona or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know the terms now. But the point here is this. If we care about our freedom of conscience and religion, if we care about our democratic societies, then we have to allow, in these cases, there to be an open civil debate where people, of course, it has to be a serious debate, serious scientific uh, arguments being used and studies being quoted, but it has to be possible to have a grown-up debate about these things. You you seem to be talking about education, basically. And we're not having one now. You seem to be talking about it for the purpose of education, basically, right? And and the right of a human yes. being to practice. And that probably takes yes. me to my second question. Can you tell us something then within the context, the umwelt of what's happening now, about the role of mm-hmm. education in this battle for our conscience mm-hmm. and religious freedom? Again, for those who are joining us now, this is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre on Divine Mercy Sunday. Christ is risen. Christ is truly risen, and we are conversing with our special guest directly uh, from Austria, human rights expert, Dr. Christian Altenfongizo, and president and rector of ITI Catholic University in Trumeau, Austria, and president of the International Catholic Legislators Network. Um, Dr. Christian, I'm asking you now this question about the role of education. So people mm-hmm. um, will basically heal confusion, seek the truth, and you're going to leave me room in a few minutes because I want to still ask you about Dignitatis Humani of December 7, 1965. You have done great study about it, about the purpose from religious freedom. But in, in the context of the vaccine now, uh, how can we use education? What is the role of education? The most important role of education is that we learn people to think for themselves. We learn young people, especially in schools, we need to teach them how to think. And we need to teach them to be having a free mind. That's what liberal arts means. A liberal arts education means an education for a free mind. Why is and, and for that, you need a good education. For that, you need to read good literature. You need to have uh, uh, uplifting conversations and discussions with classmates, with, with, with other students. You need to go into the great works of history and really learn from leaders and saints of history learn for the great works. And people we are afraid that. of practicing that, doctor. I remember you told me about the experience of Hannah Arendt, um, a, a Jewish. Did she survive the Jewish Holocaust? Yes. But, so Hannah Arendt is, is one of the greatest uh, political philosophers of the 20th century. She was a, a survivor of the Holocaust and wrote a fantastic book in 1946 that is called The Origins of Totalitarianism. And uh, there uh, she, she speaks, uh, speaking about this learning how to think, there she speaks about what is at the, so to say, foundation of where a society loses its freedom of conscience and religion. And that is 
when one part of the population no longer is allowed to have a, a voice. voice. Mm -hmm. She says the problem is not that you lose your rights. The problem is that you lose your voice in society and you have nobody also to speak for you. And, and coming back to, to your earlier question, Father, especially in times of crisis like these, we need to be able to sustain as a society a real debate about the fundamental issues that concern our lives. Now it is, for example, uh, COVID-19. We need to have a debate about that. We should not be afraid for the truth, whatever it is, because none of us owns the truth. And we're all human beings who, who are searching. And none of us until today really knows the truth about it. So we should not be afraid to have a debate about so it. So we yes, need we to have a voice. It. We must have a voice on this Divine Mercy and Sunday. We must all have a voice. Absolutely. Should, I pray we, the Holy Spirit will move the people. Um, and, yeah. you know, with, with this, but they depicted the Christianity, and you told me a little bit about the mechanism of totalitarianism, how they basically um, destroy your image, destroy who you are, uh, make bad news mm -hmm. about you. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. today Christianity is looked upon by the millions, specifically our own children, as a toxic religion almost. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it lasts, it's, it's a dignity, it lasts is authority of mater, mater. Um, et maestra, right? Uh, Pope mm -hmm. John twenty third, as mother and a teacher. How can we mm -hmm. regain that ground? How can we, doctor? We can we we can regain that. I have I have basically coined three uh, three words for that. How we can regain that? We need to regain that first with conviction. We need if we don't live it ourselves. This is our biggest weakness as Christians is that we often preach what we don't live ourselves. So if we don't live it ourselves, don't even start. That's the first one. The second one is courage. We need to have the courage to stand up even in the sight of opposition and know that we have Christ behind us. And the third mm -hmm. one is integrity. We need to live in integrity. There is nothing worse, as we have seen in the Catholic Church with the sexual abuse crisis, there is nothing worse than Christians and uh, Christian uh, leaders in, in, in whatever function they are not having integrity. That destroys any avenue uh, to people being able to, to embrace the faith and to embrace Christ. Do so you... If we, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, so all I want to say is if if we try and fight ourselves for conviction, courage, and integrity, then uh, this whole narrative of the toxic will disappear by itself, because it is by the example, uh, as St. Francis famously said, um, if you evangelize, only use words when strictly necessary. So lead by example, you're saying the model of the Lord. Exactly. On this Divine Mercy Sunday, Doctor, I wanted to ask you more precisely about Dignitatis Humanae of Pope uh, Paul VI, which is uh, to promulgate um, uh, on, its own matters of religious freedom, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. social and civil freedom as a matter of fact. Right. But first of all, statistics are scary. And I know in 2018 you gave statistics um, about the death tolls in North Korea, in China, 
um, uh, in, in, in areas uh, in the world um, under political Islam, unfortunately, really a form of political Islam, the persecuted Christians in the world. Uh, I was one of the earliest voices that said at the time in 2016, 265 million people were suffering from religious persecution, extremely high religious persecution. What are the numbers of death tolls in the world that died because of religious persecution, at least in Christianity, doctor? Do you still have them in your memory? I, I don't have the I don't have the latest figures in in, in, in my memory. But uh, what we do know is that the, the number is obviously far into the millions and um, of those being persecuted. And what we do know especially is that uh, Christians are by far the most persecuted religion in the world. In the world. I, I, I remember you spoke about China. 65 million people were killed by Master Mao. Is this something real? Is this like, how could the world see that? Yes, that is real. I mean, that 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 has been the the the, the Chinese Cultural Revolution uh, that that took place under Mao, and uh, the the horrendous uh, the horrendous killings that took place, uh, both through targeted killings, but also through uh, through uh, famines, uh, are are just something unspeakable. But that is, of course, the great crime of communism that was equally bad under under Stalin in the Soviet Union, the great crime of communism that many uh, in the West often tend to conveniently forget uh, because there's uh, such often uh, there are, of course, business interests also and political expediency. I would love to have an episode about that with you. Yes, the crimes of communism are something that cannot be surpassed. Uh, Communism is the most violent and the most bloody uh, political ideology that history has ever known and has brought about about the most the most deaths as uh, as as uh, more than any other uh, ideology in history and it's and still it's and it's still happening right doctor there is an uh, the errors of communism have spread spread in the whole world I, I love to have an episode with you with your permission to speak about the errors of communism and to to speak if you permit you allow about the secret treaty between the vatican state and the chinese government and what effect does it bear on the church are these two topics taboo are you are, is it permissible to talk about those things and for future well, I mean, episodes? It's certainly permissible. I would only advise you to speak about about that with somebody who knows more about it than I do, uh, because that uh, that in itself is a is a topic that does require a lot of more knowledge uh, about the situation. I have studied uh, because I also teach that here at the university. Mm. I teach uh, history of the 20th century, so I have specifically studied as part of the 20th century, the crimes of communism, apart, of course, from the crimes of Nazism and the crimes of nationalism that we have seen in Europe during the 20th century uh, and and the rest of the world. So um, it is certainly an important topic, but it's probably uh, even the best to discuss that with uh, a better suited expert than I am.
I, I would love to do, doctor, and you are a suited expert. I know you're very humble, but you're such a great expert, and you mean the goodness for all people, actually. You don't have enemies. Um, and in a minute, before we pray together on this Divine Mercy Sunday in conclusion, what advice would you want to give our religious and political civic leaders? What advice the people would love to advise civil and religious leaders? What advice would you give them? Well, I would like to give the same advice and, uh, that I gave before. We need our religious and political leaders, especially also the political leaders that identify themselves as Christians, to have conviction, courage, uh, and integrity, and really not to be afraid, not to please the uh, those that think different than us. We need to accept that since we live in a democracy, it is okay to have different opinions. And uh, Jesus was also not a nice guy who was loved by everybody. It's not necessary that we are loved by everybody. Um, but it's necessary we, we to, to say to the truth. With conviction. May God bless you, Dr. Christian Alten von Giso from Austria, president and rector of ITI Catholic University in Trumont and human rights expert and president of the International Catholic Legislators Network. This is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. We'll conclude with a prayer on this Divine Mercy Sunday. O Lord Jesus Christ, you have saved us from going astray by your life-giving cross and have given us a way to heaven. By your cross, worshippers are kept safe and Christians are protected and all people of goodwill are protected. By the sign of your cross, may children be reared and men and women live holy lives. By the sign of your cross, may the aged be made wise, the sick be restored to health, the priests and pastors, ministers be made holy, deacons reverent. May your church and all your people and family flourish with money and nuns and vocations and holy families. May your peace and harmony reign among your people. For your cross will guard us from all distress and will lead us to perfection in purity and holiness. We're in you this memorial of your resurrection and your divine mercy. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 6 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre.